I'm Fred Faulkner, a husband and father with a passion for marketing and technology. I work at a top 50 consulting agency where I lead alliances and marketing for the digital experience and technology team. On this podcast, I share my thoughts, opinions, and experiences in business and in life. This is my view of the world, according to Fred. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to According to Fred, the podcast. Today is a special day because it is the first time I'm joined by someone to talk about tech, marketing, and more. And that someone is Amber Osborne. Amber is a VRAR marketing specialist. She's a Forbes Top 50 Most Influential CMO on Social Media in 2018, one of the top 25 VR influencers, top women in VR, and the top 30 Twitter's most influential marketers. Amber has helped startups like Tilt5 and to global brands such as Adobe, Audi, and Lenovo. Her work with Adobe is actually how we met. Amber, thanks for joining me today to talk about VR. Hi, Fred. Yeah, thank you for having me on. And I'm so glad to keep you company. Well, thank you. In the time of uh, social distancing, and by the way, we are social distancing from far away. We are. I'm in Chicago and Amber is in Seattle. Yep, exactly. So we are definitely keeping our social distance uh, on par with what we're being required to do. Um, So yeah, excited about today's uh, today's episode. And again, thank you for joining me. I mean, it's fun to talk to yourself sometimes, but it's really not fun to talk to yourself. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of that recently. Exactly. I'm sure you have too. I have. So I'm excited to actually have a a discussion. So, um, you know, we're going to talk about definitely virtual reality. We have some great topics to talk about when it comes to conferences. But the first thing that I really want to know more about is there's got to be a story behind your Twitter handle, Miss Destructo. (laughs) So so what's the deal? Yeah, so uh, the Miss Destructo Twitter handle uh, still gets a lot of comments on that, actually. Um, so there's two stories. Uh, I'll give you the more PG version. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's a morning show, you know. Uh, so when I was first starting my career in more of the blogging social media realm, um, I had used the moniker Destructo Girl for a long time. It's from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, I know. I'm nerd. Nope, nope. Um, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I was looking for another handle, and I wanted something that really enveloped the soul of my blog and who it was for. And I decided to go with Miss Destructo because I felt like I was helping destroy stereotypes, especially in business. Um, at the time, even because when I started getting into blogging and social media, you know, there's all of these experts out there that had, you know, huge marketing backgrounds that work for agencies. And I was just this blue haired 23 year old kid who had a mohawk, who's just fresh out of college. And I wanted to show other people who were like me that, you know, you can do it too. You know, you can build up your own brand. And so I started building up that brand that was uh, Miss Destructo and still, still rocking the Twitter handle, nice. but uh, yeah. a few things have changed. Personal branding. Yeah. Well, not the blue hair anymore, although I'm sure that can change pretty quickly if needed, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I still get requests to bring it back. Nice. I still have some hardcore fans that are like, when you bring back the blue hair, I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, that died a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not 25 anymore. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I still have half a shaved head. That, so. that is that is true. That is true. Um, <laughs> 
So you've actually had a really interesting background. And, and, and one of the things we actually have in common is that you and I are both fans of music. Um, and recently yeah. you picked up to learn the guitar inspired by one of our mutual friends. But can you tell me a little bit how music is a big part of your life? I, you know, you're a fan of Bowie, you know, alternative yeah, rock, absolutely. you know, so what about music has inspired you in your life? Oh my goodness. I don't even know where to start on this. Uh, Cause uh, I, you know, music has definitely shaped my core of who I am, um, not only as a person, but how I've evolved, I would say, in brand building myself as a personal brand. Because, um, you know, most musicians, they have personal brands. And I've, I think I've really looked at musicians, how they brand themselves, um, because a lot of the ones that I've worked with, it's just so funny to see who they actually are when they're off stage. Right. I mean, stage is a persona in some cases, not all. I mean, in some cases it's actually the real person, right? It absolutely is. As personal branding is is. concerned, there's, there's definitely your personal brand persona and then there's maybe who you are. And a lot of times those, um, intersect in the right place. And sometimes they're two very different people. Two, sometimes two very different people. And I've kind of always felt that kind of split personality between business, business me, um, and then introvert me who right. would rather stay at home, which now I can't get away from. Um, <laughs> right. But again, it's definitely shaped the core of who I am, you know, growing up through the MTV era, you know, I fell in love with the visual, visual artistry for music videos and attending bluegrass festivals with my dad every year and concerts with my mom. And yeah. uh, my first concert was Neil Diamond. And I was just Donnie and Marie. Donnie and Marie. My grandmother took me and my brother, Donnie Marie, down in the, you know, yep. In the, the, oh, yeah. man. I can, I can smell the polyester. <laughs> oh, it was, it was, it didn't want to go, but it definitely is a distinct memory for sure. So. <laughs> it, and that's the thing is like it creates, music creates these memories. You know, it's so, it's so personal. Yeah. You, you, you all can be at a, the same concert, but have a different experience, yeah. you know? And the lyrics, but you know, bring so much meaning and melodies bring so much meaning, right? Uh, I mean, the I'm such staples a of your person. life, right? Moments where you're like, oh, that song is what it me- is that soundtrack to that, that moment, soundtrack right? to your life, yeah, you exactly. know? And, you know, after, after just, you know, growing up around so much of this, uh, worked in the music industry for a bit when I was in college and, little bit before that to um, doing promotions and artist marketing uh, for various record labels and bands themselves. A um, little bit of tour management, which that's a completely other podcast at this right. point. <laughs> but again, next I've time. been, I've all, yeah, next time. I've all, always been a lifelong student of music, you know, learning all the genres, the weird, obscure things. Yeah. Um, the, the stories of the artists and the bands, yeah. you know, my, my former um, business partner, Eli used to joke around all the time with me saying that, you know, I was like the, the name that tune, uh, uh, <laughs> nice. name that tune kind of person. Yeah. And that I knew more of the oldie station than he did, but I mean, it, it really does kind of have a, a, I would say a, a crossover into um, you know, almost kind of like virtual reality is that music can help transport you to another place. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll talk about that because, you know, as anything in virtual, virtual reality is only a certain amount of senses in today's current state. And I have some, some thoughts around, I want to talk to you about kind of the other senses that can be brought in and what companies are doing these days. But, um, but yeah, I definitely, music is a big component of how VR works, I believe. 
at the end of the oh, day. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, again, like what I was saying earlier, you know, allowing yourself to disconnect, um, you know, enriching yourself in the experience, either shared experience or your own personal experiences that you have with music. And, um, you know, I, I personally feel like I, I've always been kind of uh, anachronistic and that's <laughs> where you're just, you know, you don't feel like you're, you're of this place or, you know, needing that kind of escape for another place or another right. world. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so one more kind of like background kind of question. So you graduated from the university of Tampa with a communications degree and then you kind of did a bunch of the music stuff, but did you ever yeah. think like you'd get into this technology space that you've gotten into in the last you know, you know, part of your career here? Um, I was honestly surprised that I made it out of Florida. Number one, <laughs> first step, get out of Florida. First step, first step, get out of Florida. Um, did I ever think I was going to be in technology? Uh, I'd always, you know, I'd always been that kid who, who loved the Commodore 64 when I was in primary school and, you know, just loved technology and using technology. But I didn't think personally I was going to be in the tech field because I always felt like it wasn't meant for me. Um, and I was always trying to find my place, especially after college, where I thought fit in at, because I was always a creative. So it was like, oh, you could go into advertising. Yeah. So then I would look at advertising, go check out some agency and be like, oh, yeah, this is not, you know, this oh, is not for me. I never thought I'd be person. in the agency space either. And here I am. So, yeah, totally understand. <laughs> it's, just, it's so it's so weird how those paths can happen. But for me, where those where there's opportunities and where it kind of made that path for me was Twitter, believe it or not. Interesting. Interesting. Um, my first, well, my first couple of business partners came from Twitter conversations. Well, they do um, say that Twitter is one of those platforms that, you know, really can connect people. So and so, and it's, it is so open and, and having the right voice. So and, open. Yeah. But it, it opens up conversations and it opens up meeting people. I mean, that's, that's how we met, right? We, we started yeah. you know, through the Adobe influencer programs the Adobe and then, you know, it's, yep, and, you know, Twitter chats. And the next thing you know, it's like, Hey, we're both going to be in Vegas at the same time and we should meet up. And that's, that's, I've had a and, number and of my like, relationships built like that magic. Way. It's so it's especially back, back in the day, back in the day, <laughs> back in the day of Twitter, uh, around 2008, 2009 or so when people were starting to understand the, the value of it. Um, nowadays it's, it's, it's become a little bit of the wild, wild oh, west. Uh, and, and, Yes. So if you are not, yeah, there is, there's the pros and cons to yeah. open megaphones so, when you hand people. Definitely any kind of platform, exactly. but I mean, it, Twitter has brought so many opportunities and, and great people. I mean, like you and like, you know, a lot of the people that I've met through the Adobe insiders program, it just, I, I could probably write a whole book on, on just the experiences and opportunities that technology has brought to my right. life. Well, let's continue the technology conversation. So you've been the CMO of virtual reality company, you know, Doghead Simulations. That company offered VR for businesses. Um, you've been an advocate for VR for a while. What is it about virtual reality? And expand also on AR if you want to as well. Like what yeah. makes what makes you so passionate about this technology and, and where is it taking us, you know, maybe in today's dynamic environment? Well, I you know, I've always been interested in, in new mediums. Um for either creative expression or especially human connection, um, just always being kind of an introvert myself. Uh, I think this is also why I found blogging and social media so alluring when they were just 
so brand new is because emerging technologies have always, um, I've always found very interesting and kind of fascinated me as this organic living creature, you know? Um, yeah, I, I think I've always been a good predictor of, of seeing the potential in these little sprouts that have turned into bigger trees, you know? Absolutely. So, and and yeah, VR so. is one of the, I mean, let's again, kind of setting the stage, probably should have this question yeah. first. So like, you know, virtual reality, taking someone into a whole dynamic environment that is, that's simulating something else. And there's artificial or uh, augmented reality, which is adding data layers over something mm-hmm. you're physically seeing in your, your own space. Um, these are technologies that have been talked about like forever, right? Marketers and technologies like it's not um, it's not new, but it's not yeah. widely adopted. And we've seen some shifts happen in the last two, three years with major players coming into place, um, mostly in the gaming space. Yeah, first for starters. But um, it's always been one of those things where you have to have money to get into it. Right, whether yeah, you are building the, the environments or whether you're playing or using the environments, it's it's the initial investment, and that scares off a lot of people, including you know, oh, am I going to get motion sickness? You know, how, <laughs> which headset do I buy? Right. Um, there's been so many different reasons why people have stayed away from it, but it's amazing how many people that I say, you know, have you used this app on your phone or have you played Pokemon go? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, well, that's AR. And they're like, Oh, really? Right. Right. (laughs) Have you used Google maps lately? (laughs) Right. There's so, there's so many things that I think it's, I think it's more of an education, um, focus that, you know, again, it hasn't been the most affordable. No, it, it hasn't, hasn't been the most user friendly. Um, and the availability just to try it has been lacking in the past, but this has changed greatly in the past couple of years, even with yeah. cheaper, better quality headsets, getting more headsets into the hands of the general public, you know, and how much you know, can be done on your phone versus having to have something else. So, you know, if you take back the idea, exactly. So like, you know, it starts with, you know, Google started with Google Cardboard, which was like, all right, the, yeah. the technology is your phone, slap it into this little device that you can get for 15 bucks and, and you can at least start to experience stuff. Um, great idea, clearly, as a lot of things Google does, where they have a great idea that is initiating a conversation. Um, hello, uh, what was the other Google product? Uh, Google Glass, right? Great idea, not and, something yeah. that's for, for prime time. So they're known to kind of put those things out in the marketplace first, but but it takes a while to adapt into it. That has evolved into you know needing that. That's great, um, fun experience to experience, but it's not something that's I think was the right thing for the right um, longevity. Now we have hardware, like legit hardware, whether it's a Sony PlayStation thing, whether it's um, VR, whether it's Oculus, whether it's Steam. I mean, who else is out there? I mean, there's uh, HTC. I mean, there's HTC. There's, I mean, there's Pico. There's uh, a billion, you know, different little, little headsets that are out there um, in in so many different markets. Um, But the the main players, uh, there there's a lot of there's a lot of variety out there right now. And I think also what's confusing a lot of consumers is you know which one is right for me, right? And what's the right use case? Well, it's, that's the thing is like, I think just going, (laughs) this is like, this is a completely uh, different conversation, but um, you know, just even a year or two, you had to have a PC gaming rig. Right. 
to run to exactly. even run a decent quality headset, but you know, that's no longer the case with the standalone headsets. No, and, and that's actually kind of again what sparked me even wanted to have this conversation because we we did have a dialogue over what was the right thing. So my son, yeah. who's twelve, um, he wanted we you know for some reason we started talking about VR and his birthday was last year and, and he's like, um, Oh, it was a uh, VR was kind of, kind of coming up. And then he did on his own, some investigation turned out there's a VR studio, um, lounge, not far from us. Oh, so like a VR arcade. Yeah. Cool. VR, so VR arcade. Exactly. Out. So we did. So we went to, we, we, we rented an hour, 40 bucks, got a stall. Um, both my kids and I tried it out. It was an HTC Vive, you know, but again, it required the big PC that was sitting on the side. Mm-hmm. It had this whole other set of like environments I had to set up, but we played right. And they played for an hour or an hour and a half, whatever we did it. But he, he was like, wow, this is, this is cool. Right. And, and the games were, were good. There, there's still a lot of you know potential where those are all going. But he then said like, dad, I want to have my birthday party here, which was in a couple of months. So we're like, okay, we'll do that. So we rented, you know, three stalls for two hours, did a whole party there. And he, six of his friends came over and everyone got 20 minute rotations and mm-hmm. you know got to experience it. But his thing was for, you know, birthday, the smart kid. And like, he's like, dad, how do I get one of these things? And I'm like, well, you got to save your money because <laughs> dad's not buying yeah. it for you. So he did, he saved his money and asked for people Aww. like for his birthday, like kind of just have cash. Cause you know, I want to, I want to get this cause we were looking at, um, well, I asked you kind of what different ones are out there, but yeah. we ended up getting the Oculus Quest because I didn't, I didn't have a PlayStation, wasn't planning on buying a PlayStation, and we have an Xbox, so I'm like, I'm not right. buying another gaming system for that one. Um, but we did get the Quest, and the reason why we got the Quest is because it didn't require a PC. We knew there were some limitations on the on the game front, but mm-hmm. it was standalone, and that yeah. was that was like the first time where I was like, okay, so we saved up and we got it right. I, we bought it the week of Black Friday, but like on a Wednesday. And by Black Friday weekend, they were it's sold out till February. Sold out, right? Still is. It still is. Still and it's is. like so. So, what makes you mentioned the standalone? So, what in your opinion is making the standalones like? Is that have we reached this tipping point? So, with devices, in, hardware. So there is. It's all. I love. I always love this question because. Um, in in the industry, uh, there tends to be kind of the the six DOF or GTFO segment um, that wants the six degrees of freedom, the full movement, the high quality graphics. Um, and they're like, this is where the market's going. And it's like, yeah, they're, they're great systems, especially, you know, if you want to play the games like half-life Alex and, and um, haven't done and, that and, one yet, but I'm not oh, sure you have, you have, I to. saw you post something about that. And I do have to, I do have to get, I have to be sensitive to what I get because my kids are going to want to play it, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I don't think it's, it's I probably want to be the, uh, yeah. no. <laughs> I, may, I may get it and then delete it. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, it's incredible how, many people have the the wants of the the sixth off but then there's so many people that haven't been introduced to vr yet they're just happy with the you know the headsets that are standalone and yep. you can just move up and down and, yep. and have the three degrees of freedom yep. um again it, it depends on the the person using it and a lot of people are just going to be happy with being able to do um simpler things now if you want to have the beat saber if you want to have like yep. the 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 more full range of motion games or the workout apps which i love um you know go for those headsets but they're going to be more expensive yeah. it's going to be more of an investment yep and and we do enjoy like we do family beat saber competitions on friday night awesome. you know so it's like all right and we've downloaded some of the music packs well now i got green day and i got uh 
what did Green Day, Imagine Dragons. I forget what the other one they have. So we started to download some of the music packs, which at least gives a little more like. I'm it's glad so to see they're. Fun. I'm glad they're adopting more mainstream music, which is great. So yeah. um, that makes yeah. it exciting more. And we've done a couple like we downloaded some game called Rush, which is like um, wingsuit flying. And I can only do that for like maybe oh, a track so before I start to lose my. Loves that. Yeah. <laughs> before my I start husband, to lose my, my equilibrium. Husband loves those like very. Um, very immersive yeah. like and i'm like eh, i don't know if i could do this <laughs> but and there's a lot of things out there right now i mean beat saber is incredible and it is. people think it's just a game um work and out for those that start sweat yeah. you know it's, oh and, my goodness it's, i mean the the headsets they get gross but yeah. it is so worth it because yes. a 30 minute worth a workout you're losing you know it's 500 calories gone you're like I just worked out. Yeah. You're walking out and you're <laughs> like, what awesome. just, but, and you said the, the key word there, and I do believe what really is setting, um, the potential. So we're going to kind of dive into another part of this. It's like, is the immersive part, right? So having audio, right. Hearing wind fly by mm-hmm. you, uh, you know, you're not feeling it. We don't have the, the haptic component yet yeah. from that perspective. We don't have the, the mousetrap. Or like the, yeah. They, they, yep. Dad, I saw an article this week that Northwestern university has got some, some haptic skin kind of stuff they're working on. Um, I've got to play around with some of that stuff. It is, it is exciting. So, so I mean, I'd even <laughs> just take the gloves and the vests, you know, to start off with instead of that, the, um, you know, having to hold controllers and I know I can do, you know, some, they're doing some stuff with hand detection and I know everyone is doing it, but the immersiveness, like I can be in a beat saber game for three songs, two songs. And I forget that I'm in my living room. Yeah, I do too. I, right? You take it off. You're like, oh man, I'm, I'm in my living room. I'm not in, I mean, it is a surreal experience. My dog right. At least a couple of times. It is a surreal experience. And, and I appreciate the fact that that is where the potential is. And when you think of the, you know, apps that are like National Geographic that can take you to Machu Picchu, uh, right? Or take Google you to the maps. top. Of, yeah. And they can, you can start to explore the world. And as we now live in this more isolated environment, at least for the time being, it, it's almost like an interesting gateway into so much more from an education standpoint, from your pure hobbyist interest standpoint. Um, and yeah, for not a big investment, I mean, again, everyone's budgets are different, but like, I mean, the Oculus, the, the 64 gigabyte Oculus Quest is still only, is less than 500 bucks. Um, right. And, you know, I've feasible. been telling people, right? I've been telling people, I'm like, you know, you're going to spend that much on uh, Nintendo Switch yep. <laughs> after you get, you know, after you get all the games yep. and everything like that. So if you're looking for a way to, go hang out on a beach, you know, maybe take a break in between all of your, all of your zoom calls and all of your meetings yep. and stuff from home. Um, it's a good way to escape for a little bit. It is. And all, not only that, it's, it's great. I would say it's, it's great for, um, uh, kids to also have on a, a front of creativity too. So there's so many things in there that they can create and yep. build like t- tilt brush. Um, that it, it, you know, it allows them to also feel social too, because yeah, and so I mean, for me, I I use it for social all the time. So that's an interesting thing, and, and this kind of so unfortunately, my son, um, he's the only one of his friends that has it. So we we have he's like, can Aww. I download this? And I'm like, dude, like, dude, no. like, until I know yeah, you have, have friends, yeah, like until you have friends yeah, that you are have on to it, be careful. Um, I really can't let you get that app. Um, you know, but I, I get what you're going with it. Um. Same precautions we got to take with the Xbox. You know, it's like who, who's in your friend's network? Who's is a friend or a friend of a friend or a friend of a friend of a friend? Um, but I have noticed, and this is a whole other podcast for me, which is how have gaming systems become 
your social circles because mm -hmm. you know a lot of these systems don't let you play two players anymore in the same room. You, right, have, you to have to be, be on separate, you have to be multiplayer online. And so, you know, having my kids argue over who gets more Xbox time because that's how they actually interact they with their friends. friends. They want to talk to their friends. Even if you're not playing the same game, you're in a party, you're doing something else. Like that's how they communicate. And, you know, begrudgingly, you know, my wife's like, you know, we're not getting a second one. And there's a part of me is like, I think we kind of need to get a second Xbox uh, because yeah. like there's two kids and they it's not because they want to play together. It's because this is how they talk. Like this is how yeah, they, and they communicate. I mean, it's unfortunately it's don't come home when the lights, you know, when the street lights come on and it's five o'clock, <laughs> like it's, it's get off the Xbox. It's one in the morning. You, you can't have to stop, you know, type of stuff. So, um, it's very interesting in how technology is enabling new ways of social networking. Yeah, I mean, and, and it, just in, in, in VR headsets. I mean, you don't even have to have VR headsets. Like you can have friends that have browsers, um, just a desktop and you can interact with them in, from your VR headset, right. uh, with some apps. There's, um, there's Mozilla hubs, which I, I like because you can create your own environments, um, with your friends, kind of make your own clubhouse, kind of oh, anything. Yeah. You can make anything. And I, I, I love that aspect, um, that it's just easy to just drop in, and, and hang out with your friends and they don't have to have a VR headset. So that's, that's an awesome um, way for just adults or kids to, yeah. to connect um, as well as big screen. You can sit around and watch movies with your friends. Yeah. Right. Um, and you can even mystery science theater 3000 them if you want to, which is also <laughs> fun. Yeah. Uh, so and that's good to know that there's other alternatives, which I didn't know about. So I have to kind of investigate that to see what we can do to, to give some more You can always ask me, man. Oh, I know. And just, I should have known better. Put, just put it in the DMs I and uh, I, I got the hookup for yeah. you. So let's talk about now some other applications of where maybe VR is coming into place. So um, as previously mentioned, we met at Adobe Summit, um, you know, virtually mm -hmm. first and then, you know, in person um, last year. This year, Adobe Summit was supposed to happen last week. Um, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah well, last week it or was last, it was, was last it? week. I think, um, it's crazy, but we didn't get to go because amid all the, the, <laughs> the world we live in at the moment of, you know, change, right, right? Um, but Adobe did a very interesting thing and they went virtual. I mean, it wasn't virtual yeah. in the sense of like VR virtual, but you know, there's been over 350 conferences canceled this year from, now can um, mobile world congress um, thousands, thousands. Now. yeah i mean it's thousands. the numbers just are growing by the day november right? december even it's, it's it's nuts and while that affects a whole other level of business and interaction and, and stuff that goes on in the world you know we're the world the word virtual in virtual conference these days is not virtual in the sense of what we've been talking about from right. a virtual reality so right it could be video yeah it could be pre recorded like adobe things. did it could be you know there's a couple going on next week that on 24 is hosting so it's kind of like they got the expo floor kind of scenario i've, I've been through some of those before in the past too but mm -hmm. it's not the same live experience however no. vr offers this ability to yes. do that type of stuff and in so it look, does. so where where can again hardware limitations set aside, you know, we haven't gotten into the, the technology around how to build the environments, which I'd love to talk about briefly after this, but like, where is the potential? I, I, and the potential is there. So how can VR be that real answer to virtual conferences? Yeah. So I have been, uh, this has been, uh, I've gotten so many questions about this in the last couple of weeks because people are all scrambling and trying to f figure out alternatives. Um, and again, there's, there's video, right? But there's also been the question of, hey, how can we even supplement 
our video or streaming with a VR element so people can interact, right. you know, be yep. immersed in the same environment. Because um, that's what conferences and, are about, right? You're physically going to a place. Yeah, the production and, value that goes in, I mean, Adobe Summit and a lot of these other conferences puts huge amounts of dollars huge, into the, and they're amazing. The, the amazing experiences you have there that you will never replicate. In a right. webinar. And, and it's also the, the, you know, the social aspect of yep. it too. I believe we know when, one of our first interactions was, I just ran by your booth. Right. <laughs> too. Right. Say hello. <laughs> we, yep. we met at, you know, an after event. Um, and that has been one of the biggest, like, how do we replicate that? Because you can throw everyone in a chat room, but it's like, eh, you're not really sharing that experience. Right. <laughs> experience. So uh, just a couple of weeks ago, a good, good example, um, I uh, tuned into the IEEE uh, uh, conference uh, that was done through a variety of different channels that they had it streaming through Twitch. They had oh, it, uh, a couple of different, but the, the main center of it was um, in Mozilla Hubs and you could interact with the speakers and they had breakout hallways that you could be like so, social with people in between um, the different the different speakers. And it was such an amazing effort because this is a huge academic conference right. with over 2,000 people that had to be moved online. And it, it was moved into this uh, VR social space. And it was just incredible to see um, just how people responded to it. Because a lot of these people, they work around VR, they've experienced VR, but they were very um, also grateful that this was happening in, in VR and that it went off so well because it was just such a cool, memorable experience. That's, that's good to know that there's potential, right? That there's, you know, there's something oh, that can, can be, be done. done. Yes. It can be done, but it is still a lot. It's a lot of effort because there's a lot going on in the background. Yes. You know, you're not just flipping a switch and, no. and saying that, you know, oh, we're going to have a conference in VR. It's a lot of different moving pieces in the background. And so the technology is not just the headset itself, right? There's, there's the environments, which is, yeah. you know, you'd have really rudimentary environments or you can have yeah. these high complex environments that are almost Super like this, you know, right? Quality. So the gaming component can be brought into a lot of experiences, not just a game, right? So you can create these immersive worlds that could be, you know, that can replicate an expo hall, that can replicate yeah. a conference room, that can replicate, you know, a lot of things, but it's not something that is just like, done. You need skilled people you, you need, to yeah. do this, right? And I think that's it, one of the conversations we talked about at that first summit was what type of skill set is needed to actually create these environments to make the experience worthwhile? So it's been amazing because even in the last couple of years since I've been really immersed in this industry, um, I had had the previous knowledge of, you know, you need to be a unity, you know, you need to be proficient in unity and these game engines, to create anything in VR, uh, especially environments. Right. So, but that's not the case, especially nowadays. Um, it's getting easier and easier for just anybody, even kids, to create what they want in VR. Um, WebXR is is something that I recommend people to look into, where it's more, um, you know, you can you can create. Uh, 
different, different things in, inside of VR and you don't need to you know, have, have an engineering background. However, I've seen some projects that are pretty intense. Sure. So uh, there's, uh, you know, inside uh, Mozilla Hubs, there's a world uh, environment builder called Spoke that you can uh, go into Sketchfab and pick out different items and place them into a room. And these, some of them are really, really detailed too. And it's really cool what people can build. So there's so many options right now for people that you don't need to, you know, be, you know, be a Unity developer or, you know, Unreal Engine right. savvy right. to, to, to make something. That's interesting. I mean, I'm glad the barrier of entry is, is becoming smaller, right? Because that is going to enable more, right? It, it's going to get hardware, one tipping point, software experience, another tipping point. Um, and then there's a storytelling component to all this too when it comes to VR. And again, whether you're doing a, re- a conference replacement, because um, that is again an experience that needs to be created, or whether you're doing a game or or some other interaction. Whether, I mean, there's a storytelling. And so it's like anything, yeah. it's not one faceted. Um, it is definitely no, something that you is can, go yeah. deep in lots of different places, right? Yeah, and especially in VR, because you have another element of the immersion that you can tell stories in ways that people are actually experiencing them or, or, or living through them, or there's a sense of empathy when you're going through stories. Absolutely. And through the either games or, I mean, just for game experience alone, I think that's why also Half-Life, Half-Life Alex has had reviews you know, at the top of the charts because you're able to place someone into a game um, and the cinematics are just incredible. Right. Um, and that's one thing, so, about it, right? That, I mean, the environments, the, that component where you're, how, how far you get immersed, but it is again, sound, light, um, yeah. you know, visuals, uh, you know, interaction, how well can you move? So, I mean, again, limitations, like if you have to use the controllers that are in your hands versus at some point it's going to be hand recognition, which at some point it might be, and I know these exist, but you know, how will people get omnidirectional treadmills or, you know, so you can actually instead of just pushing a button to move, like on a controller, you're actually moving, even though you only move, you know, inches at a time. But it's the point being is that it's the future is bright. Right? The future is so bright. And that's why anybody who has an interest in, in getting into VR and thinks that this is going to be too much for them or they can never build or create in, in this, um, there's, there's ways to do it. You know, you're not, you're not limited anymore. Right. Um, and just even going into like the ready player one. Oh, uh, God. You know, I listened to that book of, on odd on audible. I probably listen to that book once every other month. And I have the movie, which of course is a whole different experience because the, the storyline of the movie and, right. and the, the book's way better, but you know, I can't quite yeah. let my kid listen to that one. Cause it's going to spoil a few life lessons for him in the first chapter still. <laughs> um, that is true. So you gotta be careful about that. But um, the fact that, you know, we could be, eventually maybe at this dystopia of a world where, you know, our world doesn't matter as much as the world and the persona you create online. I mean, I look at the potential of what a Fortnite kind of lives in a little bit, but yet this whole other, I don't know, I get excited about the opportunity, but then I get scared at the same time. Right. So me too. Me too. So I actually, this is one of my favorite things to talk about because I think when you say you work in VR, people are like, Oh, are you creating the Oasis? And it's like, well, we're not there. No. Hopefully, you know, hopefully I, I, 
personally, I, I believe that I don't want to see that future. No, I don't <laughs> want to see that future either. I, Everyone I, in headsets, yeah. you know, for the entire day, letting the whole world go to crap around them. <laughs> the, you know? Before just, you, before you go into like, I do like when I walk by like my kids, sometimes like one's like, they have a little man cave. And so like one's on the Xbox with his headset and his controller, the other one's on the, the Oculus watching YouTube. And he's just sitting there in a chair, like with his legs crossed. And I'm like, Oh my God, what did I, <laughs> what have I enabled? Um, <laughs> That being yeah, said, but, there, there's but the, the, thing the is, potential of these still, worlds. You know, yeah, the potential of these worlds and the social ability and, and making the world smaller in many ways. Yeah. Um, it's it's like any. I think I think us on the other side of it, being technologists, we do have a responsibility. Yes. To make sure that, especially when we're creating anything around escapism, that there has to be limitations. Yes. Um, and education, definitely education on, especially for other generations of, you know, what is, what is too much? I mean, right. with any, anything, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge science fiction nut and I believe there's a lot of lessons that we can learn from these fictional stories. Um, well, especially because a lot of fictional also, stories are becoming reality. Reality. Right? I mean, Tell me, I, I love Philip K. Dick and just seeing some of the things that he's talked about in books, you know, being, real now it's just it's so surreal right now <laughs> it, is, it is but i do appreciate the fact that there can be a world that you know whether you want to call it escapism whether it actually has a marketing and business value that's created because you can create these virtual conferences or, or places that people can go when you can't physically get there and make it more interactive than a zoom conference or a video right. conference or or talking on the phone um it, it is I don't know, it's going to be a very interesting intersection we're, we're going to be coming up to soon that everyone's going to start to take advantage of. It is interesting because I'm seeing more and more lifestyle apps um, also coming into beyond just the social. So the workout apps, mm -hmm. um, there's one called Supernatural that I'm actually trying out this weekend that I'm super psyched about. But it's it's becoming more of something that I'm seeing, like people are going to have this in their everyday lives. Um, and where I've always kind of stood on that is that our lifestyles need to be enhanced by VR and AR. Um, not replaced, more, not replaced, right. you know, not the, Oh, it's 8am. Let me get my headset for eight hours and ignore my family kind of thing. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's kind of the way I kind of feel also enhance your life. I kind of feel the same way about like digital assistants, right? I never want, yeah, I never want yeah. Siri or Google assistant or, um, you know, Cortana or, you know, whoever, whatever platform you're using, you know, I won't Bixby. Oh, why can't know. they just name one Steve? I know, right? I don't know, like, like, you know. Why does it have to? Anyway. Alexa, right. You know, the, the, <laughs> yeah. Steve, yeah, hey, Steve. Exactly. So I can't wait to actually re rename mine. Cause then I'll just, you know, it'll be like, Hey, you. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> and then everyone in the house is like, what? what? Um, but they, you know, you're the, you need to be the protagonist in your own story, right? These are not supposed to be replacing Absolutely. your decision makers. They're here to help you make your life better. They're here to and, help and not replace exactly. your life. Um, and, there's a great, there's a, I love talking about virtual worlds because there's a great documentary about people who met in second life. Remember second oh, life? I do. Yeah. The probably one of the first virtual worlds that were out yeah. there. Right. So these are people who met in second life and then met in real life. Um, Spoiler alert, it didn't end very well. <laughs> um, but people were so immersed in these uh, second, again, a second lives and these, these false realities that they created and false yep. um, 
just even storylines around the people that they were meeting that they didn't know where to blur properly the, well, <laughs> the line. And, yeah, and, and I think that comes uh, back and, to that comment you said about safety and, and just kind of like dual personas yeah. and, and that is the danger component of it all. Yeah, Same for, with Twitter for the most part, right? You don't know if you're right. a dog blogging. You don't know if you're a 33-year-old man in yeah, your mom's basement named Chuck, you know, <laughs> tweeting, um, thinking you're somebody else. It's it's like anything else that education still needs to happen. But it's, Yeah, the education and also, you know, making sure that there are the ethical guidelines that are being built while things are being built. Um, and uh, a lot of people are working on this issue right now, especially in the VR industry, because it is, you know, it is, it is something that we all do think about, um, you know, how far could this go and making sure that everyone behaves. Yeah. And Um, the applications are endless, but, with respond like with great power comes yeah, great responsibility. Great power. Yes. Great and that's what I think about every Well, you know, the medical day. industry the same way. If you think about how stem cell research is being done, you know, I mean every industry has their ethics line that needs to be completely in check as you're using technology, as you're in, innovating new experiences or new solutions or, or new um, outcomes based on a number of factors, right? So I'm glad we talked about the ethics component of it all because as as cool as VR is and the potential for AR and and stuff, there's still privacy. There's still, um, you know, the the ethics of social engagement. There's still all the, you know, replacing your real life with a virtual life. I mean, those are all, (laughs) it's, um, again, that's kind of like more the scary part, but you have to have that governance and that kind of line there to keep everything else in check. It's scary, but at the same time, you know, when people do bring up those questions, especially people that are new to VR, um, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's being worked on, you know, to to know that there are companies and people out there that are building these products that do care um, uh, about privacy and about security, about all kinds of things. So when someone builds a VR product, we're definitely thinking about more than just the product itself. Um, at least the ones that, you know, care about people. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) What other applications do you think are out there and the potential for, I mean, we said there's a lot, there's infinite applications, but what are the ones that get you most excited about kind of in the near term future, um, as it comes to VR in, I don't know, certain use cases, whether it's education and healthcare and, you know, what is, what's Edu- education? Well, education. I think even I so much now she is, she is. And believe me, as, as we've learned and gotten into our first full week of e-learning um, and as I have younger children um, that were also helping, it, it is, I mean, the, the potential I think is huge from that standpoint. Um, Cause Absolute, I think everyone's in this absolutely. reduced world right now. Um, but I'll also say as much as the potential is in, also in education, there's the other factor of, um, the educators being educated on what technology is available, the technology right? So that's, itself, yeah. there's a there's, whole gap that's going on there, there's but all kinds of components that need to go into putting, um, any kind of education and VR, right. um, initiative into play. Uh, just even previously with my experience over at Doghead and with Rumi, because Rumi is essentially, it's an edu, you know, you can have classes, you right. can have conference halls, right? conference halls and, and all kinds of things in here. And 
it is one part education, the educating the educators. Um, and then just the kids usually get it immediately. Yeah. I mean, you know? how many kids can use a smartphone without even blinking an eye, but trying to right? get, you know, maybe someone else has been more around, not around tech, like, yeah, I totally get it. the but, kids are adaptable. What, what I really love about um, any kind of uh, education platforms in VR is the immersiveness and the retention that yeah. you get, the information retention that you get from it. And even, even when I'm in VR conferences, I feel, especially in headset, I feel more focused uh, because there's not the distractions going on around me. Well, you lose your peripheral in, vision. Yeah, right? even when you're when you're when you know when you're in your house and you've got things going on, especially right now, it can be a little it absolutely can be a little distracting. Yeah. Of course, especially when you so, turn your head and you're still in the same world. So unless you program a distraction, the distraction's <laughs> but, not there. Yeah, and it's it's also a good way to allow um, kids to feel like they're in the same environment, and that's what something that I keep on hearing. I'm sure you've heard it, you know, from your kids. Like I miss my friends. Yeah. Uh, at, and, and the teachers the miss their students. I mean, there, yeah. there's a big, you know, there's a big component of that too. And, um, and there's if you only keep, so much that a video can actually do. Absolutely. And, you know, again, who has access? You have parity around that. Um, can you only again, record something yeah, and then people can do it on their own the time? Agreed. And, but I do think, and in, again, going back to the, the Ready Player One example, because there's a whole section in the book and, and that talks about, they don't really talk about in the movie. So this is definitely a book thing um, where they, you know, there was, you know, physical schools moved into VR schools, right? And, mm-hmm. and they're funded that way. And But the way they describe some of the, in the chapter is, you know, I can, you know, today in, in science, you know, we're going in, inside the human to see how the blood vessels work and, yes. and you know, go through the and travel through the, the heart, right? And, and, you know, in geography, you we could, went to this place, we, we, you know. We went to the pyramids. Right, exactly. We had, when, when I was over um, at Doghead, you know, we had, we had, um, uh, a class from Harvard be able to explore the pyramids uh, and and go and explore these tombs before they actually physically went there to go um, on on this uh, you know trip. Right. But it, it's those things are just so cool to see people just be like, "Wow!" Because you're you're there. Yeah. You know, but, you're not feeling the wind. Right. But, but you're not feeling the wind. Okay. So let's let's jump really. Let's jump to this next one. So this is the. So what's right now? VR is is really a headset, immersive headset, and a set of um, controllers that have haptic feedback. You know, mm-hmm. where you're grabbing, but you have something to grab something, and you're pushing two buttons, and you're turning around. Like there's some that the haptics of the immersiveness has limitations. So. We know there's companies out there, there's universities that are creating more haptic related gear, whether it's, you know, vests that can also sense and have hundreds of thousands of little haptic controllers in there, whether it's a second skin. So where's the next immersion level? The the headset's one thing, making them smaller, making them less heavy, making them better quality, but that's... That's going to continue yeah, to go, but, but I mean, we're missing even, a, another set of senses. Even here. in Ready Player One, you know the gloves, right. the, the haptic the, suits yep. were the were you know, were a big component of of being able to fully be immersed in those worlds. Right. Um, there are quite a few companies. There's one that stands out that's actually here in Seattle that's called Haptics. So Hap with an X. Okay. That they've been working on um, haptics gloves for a long time. Um, and I've gotten to try them out and it's just, it's super cool. So you can feel like this little VR goat, you can feel the, the goat jump onto your hand, like something would jump onto your hand. You can feel, 
um, the spider, uh, the spider, the spider is my favorite. Right. You can feel the spider's little legs just, right. and they do it by, you know, pressure. They do it by pressure. Yeah. But I think, I think the gloves are, gloves are probably the next thing that we're, yeah. we're going to see, um, hit the market. There's plenty of companies that have, have had more, uh, consumer, level uh gloves out there for vr and then we're going to see more of the the suits happen um because there's probably certain industries <laughs> that yeah. that you know are already thinking about you know the suits as as well as you know for for training purposes Absolutely. for firefighters yep. for um anything that you can have uh temperature around so we're going to be probably seeing the next couple of years after um headsets and and everything become a little bit more commonplace um because again you're going to have to have probably the top of the line headset yeah. to even get the haptics to work yeah okay one more thing on the whole hardware and then i think you know we're, we're probably got we can continue to talk for hours on this stuff but um so back to the hard you know hardware so there's a lot of the stuff in the even in the Oculus Quest is sitting at rendering in real time on on the headset itself. So they're kind of heavy, they're a little bit bulky. To get to something smaller, the technology needs to kind of advance. And so I've usually when you're looking at all the trends reports and, and everything that's talking about AR and VR, 5G is the thing that comes right <laughs> is like right there with it. So, you know, is it and I read an article literally, you know, in preparation for this conversation that I saw yeah. an article yesterday. It was like, well, 5G takes the rendering burden off the device and it just becomes a streaming component versus... Yes. So, so that means yeah. everything gets smaller, right? Mm-hmm. Everything gets more maybe affordable. Um, 5G is its own little thing in and of itself, you know, that's out there. But, uh, yes, but how, are these, how are these intersections... Yeah, how are these intersections, again, helping the tipping point continue to make these things more mainstream? So, uh, 5g is, is quite the topic, especially right now. Um, but how I've seen it used in VR is more of, again, like you said about the reduction of, of certain things like audio, especially, um, that (sighs) latency, I would probably say is the biggest one. And so you don't have the lag. So you don't have, um, you're able to do more on the communication front. Again, I've, I've used 5g, um, alongside partners like Ericsson and stuff doing demos, uh, and conferences where, you know, the Wi-Fi is usually the worst (laughs) through, through 5g. And it's amazing like the, the quality of the audio and the, the interactions and everything are so much smoother. Now, is that going to make the headsets smaller? Are we going to be able to have the, the smaller, less bulkier headsets because of 5G? Um, maybe. Okay, maybe. <laughs> maybe. We're not maybe. talking Ray-Bans here all of a sudden, right? We're, we're talking at least those, something yeah. that, I mean, there's also, again, distance from the eye. There's a lot of other components that make the headsets a, work, right? You can't yeah. just... Be, so like put on there's adoption of there's also the adoption of the 5g technology that has been um uh a little bit more slowed down because of people being more resistant to um 5g um and and things like that so you know it's been it's been hard enough to get the, the vr headsets into people's hands right. you know, throw 5g on top of that um we might have a little bit more work to do so it's going to be interesting to see um 5g and, and vr and where it goes for sure well we know vr isn't going anywhere but up 
uh, in many ways. And I've really enjoyed our conversation today about yeah, VR and the potential. Too. I know you know, from a marketer's perspective, I think is there's a cornucopia of so much we can do. And it's not just about esports so and branding and advertising, but it, it's, you know, in the world of experiences, which is Experience. where people are, you know, is everyone's got an ex- expectation today. Um, this is, again, is is VR and AR going to be a tipping point in 2020 or 2021? Pro- probably not, but it's going to continue to advance. And it's probably in the next five-year horizon where I think, you know, maybe given current dynamics, maybe it's a little longer now, but I do think that the tipping point's coming and in different ways, right? I don't think we can just assume VR is a gaming experience and that's it. And that's, I'm glad we talked about all these different experiences you can have inside of virtual reality space. Um, but I think those use cases are going to continue to advance more and more. And I think that's again, aspects of the adoption that are going to be phenomenal moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. The more that we can get people in the VR headsets and the more that they go, Oh wow. They have that wow moment. Yeah. I think that we'll see, especially right now, more and more people willing to willing to take a chance in an investment. Yeah, for sure. Well, I have appreciated our conversation. I think we're going to wrap up the episode on this note, on a high note. Um, thank you so much again, Amber, for, yeah, for joining no, me today. You. So if anyone wants to get, and they know how to get a hold of me, but if anyone wants to get a hold of you, you know, they, we have Miss Destructo on Twitter, but how, how can anyone jump on and, and reach out to you if they want to talk more about VR or business opportunities or, or anything of that nature? How can they get a hold of you? bat signal par- <laughs> carrier <laughs> pigeons at this point um but you can you can find me via my website uh amberosborne.com or twitter uh under miss destructo m-i-s-s-d-e-s-t-r-u-c-t-o and we'll put a bunch of uh links in the show notes to some of the stuff we talked about today and again amber thank you so much for spending uh yeah, some time with me you. today and we will we will definitely do it again soon and we'll, we'll jump on other topics uh, as well awesome thank you So that was my conversation with Amber Osborne about VR. And to be honest, we only scratched the surface of what virtual reality can do today and the potential for the future. In fact, I'll probably end up doing another episode going further into some of the business applications that VR can be used and just kind of seeing where the future holds. So that's it. Another episode in the books. Before you leave, if you like what you heard today, I'd love it if you subscribe so you can stay up to date when I drop new episodes. If you really liked what you heard, I'd appreciate if you gave this podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to them maybe even drop a review. It really would mean the world to me. Also, if you want to send me a note or want to share some comments and feedbacks on what you heard, you can reach me at fred at accordingtofred.com or on Twitter at accordingtofred. Thank you for listening and I'll catch you on the next one.